You turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 to 30. I'm very excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm really, very excited to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I'm also excited for what the Lord will do today in this place. It, it will be awesome and it will be great. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 to 30. While you get it, I'm just going to drink some water. It reads as follows. Verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Other translations say, waging a war for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your ad- adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Verse 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Other translations say so beautiful. Um, um, I'm waging the same warfare as I am warfaring still up until this moment. So Paul is writing from a perspective that he's been engaging in war ever since that he was saved. When he was saved, his life was in danger already. People did not believe that this was the same person that persecuted them. And in that sense, his life was always in danger. He was always waging war. Now this morning, my assignment is clear from the Lord. This morning, I will be like a surgeon that will execute a C-section this morning. And this morning, the title of my message is Epidural. Do you know what epidural is? An epidural is an injection that you get into your spine, which when you're about to give birth, it numbs the nerves, it numbs the painful sensation. It is also used for other surgeries that you get. But this morning, it is called, the medical this morning is called epidural. The reason why it's called epidural, for Lord and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, an epidural in their spiritual lives that they are not able to sense the truth of God's word in their lives. They want to be children of God without suffering, without pain, without truth, and they inject you sit at 12 o'clock on a Saturday evening watching Netflix and then you think you can hear and experience the Lord on a Sunday. You, my dear brother and sister, has injected an epidural. Whoa! There is, there is, oh, you know what's happening now? I've just opened up the alcohol swab bottle. I have not even taken the alcohol swab and put it where I'm about to cut this morning. My assignment is clear. If you get angry, he's a flesh. 
there will be power. The Lord said unto me two weeks ago that it is time that you address the flesh. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't gratify the flesh in this house. I am not important. Woo! That's one thing that I want to say to you this morning. Just one thing before we start. You are not all dead. Check. They got angry. Who is in the right to say I am not all dead? I am not all dead. There's only one that takes precedence in this house. And that is Jesus Christ, the King of Glory. No one glory in this house. Let's open up the alcohol swap. The truthful saints and messengers of the Lord is always in danger. Their lives is always in danger. When you look at Cain and Abel, already a spirit of jealousy was released there and he killed his own brother. Today in the house of the Lord, a spirit of jealousy has been released simply because you don't want to serve the Lord. And when others serve the Lord, you get angry, you get frustrated because you look inside of yourself and say, that should have been me. A spirit of jealousy has been released against the true messengers of God. Our lives are always in danger. If your life has never been in danger for preaching the truth, then you, my dear brother or sister, is a gummy bear preacher. Nice in the mouth. Chewing nicely. Nothing but a taste coming out of your mouth. Jesus says, He did not come to bring peace, but He came to bring a sword. He's setting enmity against mother and father, against father-in-law and son and child. He brings that enmity. He brings a sword. Moses was in danger of Pharaoh. Joseph himself was in danger by his own brother simply because he proclaimed the message of God without fear. Jeremiah was in danger for his own life. Daniel was in danger for his own life. His friends were in danger for their own life. John the Baptist was in danger for his own life. The apostles were killed. Your king was killed for the truth. But here we want gummy bear preachers saying to us that the blessing of the Lord is all that you need. The blessing of the Lord comes to you through your walk of obedience. If you obey the Lord, the blessing of the Lord will follow you. You don't have to run after a blessing. When you obey Him, you will be blessed. And the Bible says you don't have to do anything to be blessed. Because once you are saved, the Bible says that now all spiritual blessings has been given unto you. You don't have to do anything. Remain obedient to the Lord. Society today believes in gummy bear preachers. They love it. They love political correct preachers. That will say, mm, same-sex marriages is okay. I'm saying to you it's not okay. Because the Bible says it's not okay. You can post it on the internet. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I am tired of being politically correct wherever I go. This house 
will not be filled with gummy bear creatures. As long as there's breath in this body. Once I see, and that is sometimes where the saints get me wrong. They don't understand my calling. They don't understand why God has called me to this body. God has called me to this body to see that area that is not aligned with God's word and sending out God's spirit and to resort to cut that thing off. But it's not nice on your flesh when Kevin speaks like that. He's probably emotional. Last year when my father passed away, when I preached like this, they said to me, somebody in this congregation said to me, you're probably emotional because your father passed away. I said to them, no, the truth of God will prevail irrespective of what I go to in life. What I go to in life has got nothing to do with the message I'm supposed to preach. It should be unadulterated. We are not in an emotional class or psychology class here. We preach the word of God having faith in Christ that though I've got pain in my heart, He will heal me and carry me through. We don't compromise. Don't you understand? There are witchcraft on all levels of society. The TikTok that you are watching, behind the scenes, what they are not telling you, there's witchcraft going on to get views, to keep you busy. Every trend that is coming out, there's strings that have been pulled here to get you interested, to get you glued on that screen. Four hours go by, swipe right, swipe up, swipe up, swipe, like, click, like, click. Six hours go by, but you can't even pray for two minutes. Witchcraft going on on all areas of secular life, whether it's politics, whether it is where do they get their inspiration for horror movies? Where do they get their inspiration for horror movies? They get it from the spiritual forces of darkness. You need to evaluate what's going into your spiritual life. That's why some of you are still gossiping about what people did five years ago because you are stuck. In a rut because you are unable to love with purpose. We have a romanticized hermeneutic. A romanticized. Let me explain to you what that means. We are very romantic when we interpret the Bible. Very romantic. We just want to hear the love story part, the beautiful part. Let everything be done in love. But when it comes to you, should deny yourself. You should pick up your cross. You should follow me. That is something that we don't want to hear. Because I've got a romanticized hermeneutic of what's happening in the Bible. Paul died. Jesus died. The apostles died. People were offended. But gummy bear preachers has been sent out to tickle your ears. So that they do not address the ugly in you. So they don't address the sin in you. So they don't address the hypocrisy in people. I'm probably the biggest hypocrite standing here this morning. I'm filled with sin. I'm filled with pride many a times. I'm filled with anger. If, if, if you know for one day what is happening in this life, we're all in the church. Because at one point all the time, I, I probably thought, you're oh, this person I would smack him years ago. But I'd have to reserve myself. I can't beat you then preach on Sunday. So yeah, I just reserve myself there. The enemy wants to take the fight out of you. The enemy is not scared that you come to church. The enemy is not scared when you worship here. The enemy is scared when you go into his territory and proclaim the truth of God. That's why he wants to take the fight out of 
you. He just wants you to come here and sit and worship and pray. That's fine with him. But the real fight starts on a Monday when you get back to work and the spiritual forces are out there to try to frustrate you, try to manipulate you, trying to put you down. The enemy just wants to take the fight out of you. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26 says, We must fight as one that's not beating the air. Do you know what that means? Some uh, year or half ago, I took some boxing lessons. I stopped that Samuel because I stopped the boxing lessons. I thought to myself, this is a danger for myself. You know, maybe Pastor Rod upset me, then I just, you know, just jab. And I've got a scripture for that. I say, Alice, Paul But that's not what the scripture means. Let me give you the right interpretation. The exercise this morning is to address your flesh. And when we address the flesh, the spirit will come out stronger. So I took boxing lessons, Pastor Rod. And this person that gave me the boxing lesson, he told me, jab in my stomach. So I'm jabbing him in his stomach. There's no harder man. You eat like a sissy. I'm like, mm, jab, jab, mm. And I got it in. He said to me, no man, you, you have to put power. It comes from your heels up, twist through your hip, and then you, then you punch. So I did that, and I did that. So, so when, when, when he taught me a few lessons in boxing, I understood that when, when, when you fight an opponent, you must hit him with strategy. You cannot just be like someone that's beating in the air. No, when the enemy comes, you must know this is the area that is trying to attack me. He's attacking my marriage. So I need to reinforce my marriage. He's attacking my children. I need to reinforce my relationship with my children. He's attacking my finances. I have to ensure that I give unto the Lord, that I minister, and that I save a little bit, and that I spend more on the luxuries. I need to go into that area and be strategic. We cannot just be like beating up in the air. We have to be strategic with our friends. But he sends out these coming back Christians or preachers to make you a soft harbor. I know Kyle will be a little bit upset. Kyle, forgive me. But um, Stephen Furtick, I, I, I'm saying it. I'm saying his name. I'm saying his name. Stephen Furtick. It's on YouTube. He put it out there. He said, listen to the saying. He said, Abraham was asking God, Viagra, to impregnate Sarah. The same elevation church that people say, no, no speak again. It's the same nonsense that is coming where preachers are preaching, deceiving people. I cannot stand for that. Because God don't need a pill to move in your life. God don't need any medical situation to move in your life. He is the sovereign God. Do you understand what that means? He's not surprised when something happens to you. He's not scared when something happens to you. He doesn't fear when something happens to you. He's God and He's God alone. Epidural. You probably need it by now. But we're going deeper. Precision. Targeted. When the enemy is on offense, we put up defense, but we send him out troops on this side and attack him on his right wing, attack him on his left wing. Do you not understand the power that the church has? No institution on this earth has got the same amount of power as the church. 
because we are connected to the head, which is Jesus Christ. We've got power, and sometimes we must release that power in a death-defying world. We have retreated into our small corner and we are waiting on politicians and on the medical science to tell us something. You activate your faith. You speak life over people. When you go to work, you bombard the heavens with prayer. The prayer of a righteous, I don't think, you know and understand. You know the problem is, we don't believe what we sing anymore. We don't believe what we preach anymore. We don't believe what we read anymore. We, 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 we check on social media and we believe that it's the truth. Can I just... I don't know if I'm going to burst anyone's bubble. But you know the, the things they do on TikTok? It's not real life, right? It's scripted. Even the reality TV shows. It's not their real lives. It's been scripted. They are actors fooling you. So when you think... Like me and Gavin, we were on this like the Prat, right? And I don't want to speak out what happened there. We were there. Ask life. We were there. Excuse me, saints. So we were there on Larry Potter Prat. And then, what you see on TV is not what you see on TV. <laughs> they say to you on the TV, those people have got five minutes left. Then they count down. Five minutes left. Then they tell you behind the scenes, check your people, you've got 45 minutes there. You're stressing there, yay! Is Kevin and Clive and Kevin going to make it? They've got five minutes there, but we're telling them 45 minutes, 45 minutes, the fire is still burning. You're stressing there, you've got two minutes left now. Then Kevin burned the bread. At two minutes. At two minutes. But they tell us, you've got 30 minutes left. You're stressing there. Yay! How can these people? Then they say, you've got one minute left. Then they tell us, you've got 20 minutes left. So, and even if you're not done, make it done. We are here the whole day for a shoot. That's how they deceive you. That's how they deceive you. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Do not, you know what, 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 what I'm struggling with in these days? That we are trying to lay hold on this life that we have here. This life has become so, such a precious commodity that we fail to understand that we are merely pilgrims. We are just moving through. But the, 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 the danger is when you lay hold on this life, you will become an inhabitant of this earth. And Revelation says the inhabitants of this earth will be in for a shock. We are citizens of the kingdom. Our home and our eternal dwelling place is not here. That is merely a journey that we go through. Hebrews 10 verse 32 says, Call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. How can you engage in warfare if you are a civilian? A soldier according to 2 Timothy 2, endures hardship as a soldier of Christ. A soldier does not entangle him or herself with the affairs of this life, according to 2 Timothy 2 verse 4. So now the problem that we have in the church today, 
Some of us are civilians and some of us are soldiers. So leaders, you know what the problem is with us? Many a times what we do, we give commands to civilians. We give commands to civilians. A civilian do not understand the jargon of a soldier. When a command is given and it says, Hope, the civilian would walk on. When a command is given to a soldier, left hand, the civilian goes right here. A civilian do not understand the principles of being a soldier. A civilian has not enlisted into the military. A civilian has not went through basic training. A civilian has not gone through their, their specialization field of training where they will operate in. What am I saying? Some of us here come into this place week after week and we are not saved. You, my dear brother or sister, you are a civilian. You are not a soldier of Christ because you have not enlisted into the war. There is a war raging for your soul and you are standing in the middle being hit from both sides of the armies. You're being hit by the saints, you're being hit by the world and then you think the church is hurting you. No, you did not pick a side yet. We cannot give commands to civilians. They will frustrate us. We give commands to the soldiers of Christ. Those who have been trained in the discipline of godliness. Those who have been trained in the discipline of servanthood. Those who have been trained in the discipline of living with purpose. We give commands to them. 1 Timothy 1 verse 8 says, This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before you, that you by them may war a good Warfare. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. You can just make a note here. 2 Timothy 2 verse 10. 2 Timothy 2 verse 10. Now, the alcohol swab is off. I'm putting on the disinfectant on the alcohol swab. I'm taking out the alcohol swab now. I'm putting it on a place where the incision will be made. On this C-section this morning. Now years ago when I when I when I went to school in Granada, now some people make fun of it, but I embraced my upbringing simply because it is my upbringing. You know, I also embrace the way that I look. Some people say I have lips are thick. I say it's fine. If God wanted me to have thinner lips, it wouldn't be thinner. Yeah, but your nose is like that. I say it's fine. If God wanted me to have a sharper nose, it would be like that. Yeah, but your complex is that it's kind of fade in it. I can't fade it. I tried fader. It doesn't work. Really, I tried. Me and Cody were still dunking. Cody says, why did you cut yourself a fader? It's okay. The fader came out hungry. This side was... No man, no fader for me. Keep it like this. But I embrace who I am. Not being arrogant in the ego, but being content with who God created me to be. Because I cannot be a carbon copy of someone else. I can only be who God has made me to be. If he wanted me to be taller, I would have been taller. But I am specifically designed for the purpose that he has for my life. And so are you, my dear brother and sister. You are specifically designed for your purpose. Second Timothy 2 verse 20 says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. Ikomepiduro, Pastor Lindsay. When I was in school in Hananda, our, our primary school name was Elm Sweet, where this big slogan, the lamb has overcome. 
But in that school, if you didn't make it two times, like in standard Ian was it that time, standard one, grade three. So if you didn't make it in grade three, maybe two times, then they put you in this place called unpassing class. Who, can you just can you just lift up your hands who knows unpassing class? Who knows unpassing class? Right? Carl, do you know unpassing class? I'm gonna to explain to you what unpassing class is. I'm gonna to explain to you. That's a teaching moment for all of us. Unpassing class is this. When you do not excel academically, according to your cognitive reasoning and according to your IQ, they, they will give you something that you are good at. They will let you work with your hands. You will make um, baskets. There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. They make baskets. So if one of the saints here, if you've been in unpassing class, I'm not casting shade on you, right? To each his own. Right? We're uniquely created. I'm not saying that was wrong. But as a child, I couldn't understand it. You know, we're in the same school. Different classes. We're in the same school. Different curriculum. We're in the same school. Different outcomes. We're in the same church. Different standards. We're in the same church. Different mission. We're in the same church. Different vision. We're in the same church, but some of you are so in unpassing class. You have never excelled to the place that you become a servant of God. If someone must still tell you to clean in this house, that's saying you're in the unpassing class. If you still gossip about people, that's saying you're in the unpassing class. If you still are angry about something that happened 10 years ago, you, my dear brother and sister, are in the unpassing class. We have to give you something that you can work with your hands because you don't understand servanthood. You don't understand what this ministry is about. How God calls this ministry to be. Servant Summit. We summit the mountain of servanthood every single day. We serve like there's no tomorrow. We do not boast in our accolades, but we boast in the Lord. We are servants of the Lord. We must be the least in this house. If you want to be the greatest, you must be the servant. Same ministry, different curriculum. You know, leaders, we make a great mistake here when we allow certain people to operate like they can operate in this house. We make a great mistake when we allow others to be in unpassing class while the rest of them are excelling. We cannot establish a separate move of God specially designed for you. Either you stuck with the vision and mission that God has given unto you, or you will stay behind and decay. I'm not speaking doom, doom over your life, but when you walk in disobedience, you will eat the fruit thereof. What? I didn't even cut yet. The spirit didn't even cut yet. And some of you are already calling for the epidural. Some of you are calling for the epidural. I love what my brother said. I won't mention his name. But my brother said this and he was misunderstood in this house. He said to us, He was right. He was right. Because when, when you think that you can spite the Lord, the Lord will raise up someone that doesn't know anything. And you will get frustrated. And that spirit of jealousy will make you to gossip for years about that person. That person is, you are fighting that person. That person is excelling in his godliness. That person is excelling in her godliness. While you're sitting and out of I couldn't hear the No, they're serving the Lord. 
When you have your own set of rules in serving the Lord in this house, that's why you're not going class. We, 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 we are believers with adult teeth drinking from the breast of this church. Ooh. You are bruising the breast of this church because you are not supposed to drink milk with tea. You are supposed to eat meat by now. But we must give you vitamin infused milk every time that something happens to you. Some of you have been living of the prayers of your grandmother passed away years ago. Some of you have been living of the prayers of your mother years ago. Pray for yourself. It's time that you start to pray. You can't boast, hey, my mother was a prophet. My grand, no, you start being the prophet in your own house. You've got energy, but you're still drinking milk. Near man. Near man. You're supposed to run by now. You are still crawling. And the problem, and, and I'm one of them, what I do as a leader is wrong. When you crawl and you ask for milk, I still give you milk. It's wrong. I'm supposed to put that steak in front of me. Sorry, vegetarians, vegans. <laughs> Putting a steak in front of me and say, start to eat, start to walk, start to serve the Lord. John the Baptist was killed for speaking like this. Can you handle the heat? Let me tell you something. Here in this ministry, for those who are new here, this is not a perfect ministry, but we serve the Lord. Sorry, there's visitors, this is the truth. Here in this ministry, I don't hold any grudges against anyone, I've moved on. I was labeled demon possessed after preaching the truth. Yes. I was boycotted and blocked on WhatsApp in this church. I was discussed on Facebook. Screenshots of a discussion about me sent to me. And I know it is, but I still have it. Do you know why I still preach? Do you know why I still serve? My mandate here is not based upon people's opinion about me. Because I know I'm not perfect. But the reason why I still serve, the reason why I still preach, is because God took this drug addict. God took this Satanist. God took this car hijacker. And He cleaned him up. And He made him a new person. That's no place for me in this world. That's only place for me at the feet of Jesus. There's no other place for me. I will die when I go back into the world. This is the only place that I'm safe. In His hands. In the palm of His hands. Because no one can pluck me out of His hands. When I preach like this, it's not because I think I'm better. You don't stay with me. You don't know my struggles. You don't know what's happening in my mind daily. But I minister this simply because He loved me first. We must stop being at war with ourselves. If you're still fighting the same, stop it. Stop it now. Stop it today. Reconcile. Make peace. We cannot be at war with ourselves. Arsis Brown said this the other day. He says he equates the spiritual life with a chicken whose head is cut off. Although the chicken's head is cut off, the involuntary muscles still move 
And when you leave the chicken to run, there's blood all over. The old man in this last days is putting up a fight to come back. The old man really wants to come back like the chicken. But we must put him to death. The Bible says, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Put to death everything that springs up that is not from God. Put it to death. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy is deceitful. Let's open up the surgical tool and let us cut a little bit. Let us cut to deliver the C-section. Let's, let's, let's cut, let's cut. I'm almost done, saints, I'm almost done. Let's cut. You see the worship team here? You see the worship team here? This is not idols. And I know you don't make it idols. I'm just saying. This is what the Lord laid on This is not idols. So me see as he then say you think I'm so missy. But so missy is he. So missy is not here. This is not a popularity contest or a skills contest. This platform here has got to do with the anointing of God. You can be who you are in the music industry. It doesn't equate you to stand there and to worship God. We have to check. How's your spiritual walk with God? We have to see, can you endure as a soldier? Are you a civilian or are you a soldier of Christ? This is not idols. This is people that's been called to worship, not to usher us into the dimension of worship. No, they worship before or unto the Lord. And their expression to the Lord, it motivates us to seek the face of the Lord, to engage with Him. That is what that platform is about. This is not idols. It's about worshipping the King. And if some of you don't like some of them, that should not, that should not diminish your worship to the King. Maximo Kekela. I see how you look like. Oh, this song is even my name. No. Are you here for a song? Or are you here to worship the Lord? We treat God very casually these days as the church. We treat Him very casually. We hide things from our brothers and sisters. And we think that God doesn't see it. He sees it. Just because you are busy in ministry here, there, 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 there. It doesn't mean God sees. Does not see what you are doing. We make light of who God is. We treat Him casually. Just because Jesus is Abba. Do you understand? Abba doesn't mean a casual loose term. It's a term of reverence. It's a term where I place myself in the protection of my Father. Because I want to obey Him as a son. That is what Abba means. It's a place of safety. Philippians 2 verse 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear. And trembling. Even when I preach. Don't just take it like that. Go home. Seek the face of God. Come and tell me. Hey man. That's not in the Bible. Let's talk about this. Do that. Investigate for yourself the scriptures. Is this lining up with what God has been speaking to me? Do that. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Calculate who you are in Christ at this moment. 
Do a ledger. See if your life has got the right balance in godliness. Okay, now he. As I get my hand to unsteer and see sex and That's why I get my hand to unsteer and full. I'm loosening up. I'm loosening up. Then roll the inside. I'm loosening up to feel if I can see the baby. I'm trying to poke at the placenta now. If you have favorites in this ministry, hey, if you have favorites, if you have a favorite in this house, then you are in trouble, my dear brother and sister. You are in deep trouble. Because you should treat all the saints like this. You must esteem the other higher than yourself. If you have favorites in this house, you are in trouble. You know what it means? When you have a favorite, you fail to correct that person when the person is wrong. Yeah, you fail to correct that person when the person is wrong. And you and you walk with that person in their sin and in their ungodliness because you are afraid to sever the relationship. If they must go, they must go. But we will proclaim the truth like never before. We're living in the end times, there's an urgency. That's why the Lord sent me here today. Yes, some of you might not feel nice about it, but it's your flesh. That's not your spiritual man. Because your spiritual man will applaud a message like this. It's not about ten cars and five houses and how God's going to bless you on Bitcoin. No, that is the truth of God. And don't feel Bitcoin of you. What's your hell worth? Oh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin, yeah. No, don't do Bitcoin. God is not a respecter of persons. He's not. Doesn't have favorites. Doesn't have favorites. We should not have favorites in this house. If you have a favorite, oh, the DN, nah, nah, that's my chomidi. What about me? Then you put me on Facebook. But you have favorites here. You know, pastors have feelings too. Sometimes people think preachers don't have feelings. We have feelings too. You have your, your, you have your buddy buddy sister on Facebook and Yalla's Lekasa. But it comes to me discussing meme and you put me there like, oh, okay, what this one yo? Oh man. <laughs> the Lord chastises those whom he love. If you are not being disciplined by the Lord, sadly you are illegitimate child of him. You are illegitimate. You are not his own. And, and, and to those who are still in their parents' house, if your parent discipline you, that is the right thing to do. Because you belong in that house. And as long as you're in that house, you will not make your own rules. Then you can get your own place. Yes. Go work for yourself. Go make your own rules in your own house. But you stay in that house. You subject yourself to the rules of your parents in that house. If your father drinks, if your mother drinks, or even if they don't know the Lord, you be respectful to your parents, irrespective. Because that's the way that God wants to use you as a testimony for others. You don't do your own thing. Because you in that house, you eat there, you sleep there, you don't pay electricity. I said to Connie, when my daughters, if God gives me the grace, and my daughters are at age, and they're over 20, I will tell them, Kaiji. <laughs> Because he, you're not going to put your charger in 24-7 and you're using electricity 
and you're not willing to give a sentiment out. Me? No way! No way! No way! If you've got a job, say something. Die. You will pay. You know what my father did to me? I was still standing with three. The school holiday was still on. I said to my father, I'm going to take about four, four months just to relax, to find myself. The first day of January, when the new school year started, he said to me, you're not going to sleep in my house. There's only one man in this house. You will get a job by the end of this day. I don't care how much they pay you. You will get a job. You're not going to stay here for free. I went and built houses for 150 rand in the week. Daga. Carpentry. It doesn't look like that, but I was there. It doesn't look like it, I was there. I looked at Mr. I was there. Dirty. I had to, you know what, what, what the boss will do? He will pick you up in the morning for work. But when he must drop you, he doesn't take you home. You have to walk six kilometers home. But tomorrow morning, half past six, stay with his bucky. But when he must bring you home, he says, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't bring you home. I learned the hard way how to work for what I want to achieve in life. My drip zijn net in, zij betaal, ze zal iets drink om het tien rand te geven, oh, is no man. No, no, it doesn't work like that. I'm, 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 I'm almost concluding, I'm almost concluding, saints. Almost concluding. Sure. Thank you, thank you. The, thank you, thank you, sire. Thank you. Oh, the last... The last part that God really lays upon my heart, it's called proximity anointing. You know what it means, proximity anointing? Hey, I'm going to explain to you now. You believe that because you are friends with Pastor Rodney, his anointing that is upon him will flow over onto you. So you ensure that you are close proximity here because then you can walk in the power of no, there's no such thing as proximity anointing. You have to seek the face of God. You have to fast. You have to pray. You have to seek the scriptures. You have to tell people about the goodness of God. And that's the way that the anointing is built up. It takes a price. There's a price to pay for wanting the anointing of God. I just have to be close to Him. Then I, that maybe if what falls on him can fall on no. You will emulate, you will walk in a familiar spirit, thinking that you have the anointing of God, but then it will be a proximity false anointing that you think you have. Look at Isaiah 53. A man of sorrows, rejected by people. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We want the attention of people so much. We live in a society that we want the attention of people so much. I've got a YouTube channel. If I get one view, it's like, yo, hi. TV was, uh-uh. You know, you get crazy there. And, and when Pastor Rod preached that message about the language of Babylon, I realized I've been doing this for the wrong reasons. I wanted views and likes. But now on my channel, I say to you, don't subscribe. Don't like. Don't share. Then the telly goes up.
tent here to rebuke the spirit of rebellion, to rebuke the spirit of pride, to rebuke the spirit of malice, to rebuke the the spirit of of self um, um, doubt, to rebuke the spirit of fear, to rebuke that lazy spirit that just wants to receive. Why did you come to the house of the Lord this morning? To receive? No, you came to give. You came to give your time. You came to give your body. You came to give yourself over unto the Lord. To pour out unto Him what He deserves. We serve notice today on the flesh. We serve notice today in the name of Jesus to the flesh. And that brings me to my text. Beautiful text. Beautiful. Took me long to get there, but yeah, we're there. Let your conversation be as it becomes of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before a word is formulated through your mouth, there's a connectivity of your heart to it. So when your conversation is about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, It means your heart is pumping the gospel. But whatever comes out of your mouth is just a reflection of what is in your heart. The psychologists call it the Freudian slip. You know what the Freudian slip is? It's this. That you say the truth, and when you realize you say the truth, you say, it's just a joke. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yo, I don't like you. It's just a joke, eh? It slipped. It slipped. So, whatever your heart is full of, your mouth has no choice but to echo it. I said some years ago, the, the mouth is just the vuvuzela of the heart. That's all it is. You can't stop it. Vuvuzela is ugly sound sometimes. Sometimes it's a beautiful sound. But what comes out of the vuvuzela, yeah, it's just an indication that it's been embedded in your heart. Our conversation should be in the gospel of Christ. Whether I come and see you or else be absent. So whether I'm there or whether I'm not there, I'm a year of your affairs. Woo! You know some, some saints, you know this is what happens. It's so weird. It's so weird. Sometimes the Lord will lead me just to, just to, just to, just to, quickly, just to do this. Just to do this. Or someone else tell me, hey, did you see one of those saints? They were there in waterfront and they did this. I'm like, okay. I said to them, no, but I don't want to make a discussion point about it. Did you approach the saint? No, no, I didn't approach the saint. I said to him, okay, next time. You, you go to that person. And you tell to that person, look here, what, what you did down here. It's not in line with the gospel. So we need to understand that our affairs are not secret. If we are an open book, you can hide as much. I promise you, even the things that I did, it's there out in the open. That's why I pimp myself before you pimp me. Better like that. Something happens at work. I tell Connie, that has happened. So she knows it comes from me. But when it comes from you, I, yay. You know what I like about Connie? She's not here today, she's working. What I like about her, when I started dating her, some of the, the, the guys there in the Navy said, do you know that guy? Do you know that guy? Are you sure you want to be in a relationship with that guy? She said this to them. I did not fall in love with his past. But I love him for who God made him to be now. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donkey man. 
And I said to her, I'm willing to tell you everything. She said, it's not important who you were. But it's important who you will be. And what I want to say to you, do not let your past be an anchor of your spiritual race for the Lord. Do not let your past drag you down till you're on your knees and you don't know which way to go. Do not allow your past to define who you are today. God has a future for you. Your future is in eternity with Him forever and forever. Where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more worry, no more doubt, no more fear. Enough scope. There will be no more debts. The Bible says that you be steadfast in one spirit. Saints, let us walk in unity. You know, we, we should follow the Bible, Angie, when the Bible says, mark those who cause division amongst you. We don't do that. We, we, because we, we, we are appealing to the emotions of people. But if you cause division, we must mark you. We must say, hey, Dion, it's causing division here. It will teach the others that this is where we told the line. But we, we ourselves have become gummy bear preachers in our own right. Because we don't want to correct where we should correct. Tomorrow it's worse. Tomorrow it's worse. Then you get a phone call. Then the thing is escalated. They call it the snowball effect. Then that thing is escalated. Then, then it's no longer a person. Now it's different families now in that old cluster. Now you have to dissect clusters. And then through the snowball effect, you have to dismantle the momentum of that snowball and then put it into fractions and then they angry at you. They angry at you, but they started it. Let's be steadfast. One mind. In unity saints. We're living in the last days. We, we can't do that. The Bible says, let us strive together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a evident of a token of perdition, but to you salvation that is of God. We have no fear. Even if the enemy thinks they can beat us up, it won't work. Because we know this is for our salvation. Saints, I conclude with these words. For unto you it is given... In the behalf of Christ, you are Christ's representative. Not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me.